Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning into the PWF Empire podcast. Jay here, along with Russia's favorite PWF Empire contributor, Steven. <laughs> hey, I just I thought you were getting into the groove of the prodigal son. What happened to that? Well, I, you said the prodigal son was because you were gone so much, and when you returned, but you're here often these days. Yeah, but but this is the WWE universe. We don't need to have accuracy in nicknames. You see, you could be the lunatic fringe. You don't need to be a lunatic. You could be the architect, even though you didn't really design the shield or build anything smart. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's just a name. You're really trying to get this prodigal son thing over, I guess. I give in now. I give in. Well, the prodigal son, Stephen. But, you know, we did do uh, surveys, and you received a lot of votes from Russia. So I'm just putting it. Uh, uh, well, uh, I mean, we have a lot of Russian fans, I guess. I don't I don't know about that. Uh, Maybe. Or, you know, some other stuff is going on. But I digress. <laughs> so we are here to present another edition of the Kayfabe Tier List. If you all don't know what the Kayfabe Tier List is, it is a visual tracker used to record the mobility of the members of WWE's roster in terms of credibility and presentation. This was all created by Steven. He observes the WWE product and you want what WWE does to be reflected in the kayfabe tier list. So this isn't like I rated so-and-so S tier or A plus or whatever it may be. It's just basically what you observe from WWE, correct? Yeah, I try to map map my observations onto onto the structure that's within WWE, but it's in no way objective. And as you can see, there are some mistakes. Ambrose is not the IC champion, <laughs> and uh, you know things like that happen. But other than that, I, I try to I do it for my own uh, sort of pleasure because mm -hmm. I like to see the mobility of guys. I started doing it because I thought it would be interesting to see how how well WWE does at actually building stars and if you could see like a progression. And one of these days I'm actually interested in doing sort of like a like a graph so you can see like uh, the progression of guys and to see who's the most constant, who rises and falls and sort that sort of thing. But uh I think that's why I started doing it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It would uh, take a bit of work, but we can do that. But yeah, that's what that's what the, the kayfabe tier list is, and uh, there are a lot of biases that sneak in, and we'll talk about some of those maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what we're about to do throughout this show, we're going to break down some of the elements of the kayfabe tier list and also weave in some current events and things that are going on in WWE. One thing that I saw on Reddit, the uh, squared circle, this is becoming a hot topic. The fact that Jinder Mahal is still ranked in the B-plus tier with the WWE Championship. And you see him among all of these champions. He's flanked by the tag team champions from SmackDown and Raw. You have Baron Corbin with the Money in the Bank briefcase. That's kind of like a title in and of itself. Kevin Owens there with the United States Championship. And Jinder Mahal right among the commoners when he's supposed to be the, the, the modern-day Maharaja. So why is it that... <sighs> I have to think that this is – you had to make the decision that, okay, Jinder Mahal is going to stay in the B-plus tier. Why is he there? Because I just can't do it, man. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't do it because I think I think it's a pride thing. I think if I were to put him – and I debated on this. I mean, he beat Orton twice, fine, mm -hmm. but 
if I were to put him in the A tier, I would be admitting that it's that easy for me to perceive this guy as an A tier guy oh, when you I hit don't. The nail on the head there. Oh. Because like this is my perception perception of the way things are, and I can't. Mm-hmm. I just I, It's not that easy. You can't take a guy who's a jobber and get me to believe that he's a a top tier guy just because he beats Randy Orton twice with some interference. And you know maybe maybe he should be there. I don't know. I, it's my it's my list. It's biased. You know, uh, someone can make a competitive list if they want to, but. You know, I just, I just can't I can't do it, man. I mean, if he gets some wins, there's some maybe some clean wins or some some more wins over other guys, then okay, fine, I'll I'll do it, I'll give in. But I need to be sold on the fact that this guy's a, a top tier guy, and I really am not sold on it yet. And you know, and maybe it will fine. just eventually take time if they continue booking him the way that they have been and I haven't seen anything from Jinder Mahal since he won the championship so I I would assume that there's some kind of solid booking behind him now that he is champion maybe it's just a time thing they didn't spend the time building him up before but as long as he has that championship like eventually once the solid booking continues he'll rise up to the next level but like I said you hit the nail on the head there where it's like you don't want to admit that it's that easy because a lot of folks will look at the WWE championship and say by simple virtue of him being the WWE champion that championship should elevate him to the next level and you could open up a conversation of is it the man that makes the title or is it the title that makes the man and a lot of cases I think that it's it's the the, man who makes the title yeah it should be the man that makes the title because we can't live off of the legacy of these championships forever. At some point, you're going to have to start building a legacy within the current time. Because if we're five and ten years from now, are we still going to be talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin? And well, shit, I would hope so. But you have to start building a legacy and, and, and prestige with the championship with the current champions. Because if you don't, it's going to lose that relevance. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And if you look on the Universal title side, um, they haven't really been building that one up either. I mean, that's one without any history. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't have that much prestige. You could say the most prestige, you know, now that I think about it, the most prestige that you could say it has come from Goldberg and Lesnar. And that's because of their name value. It's not even because of their title reigns because Lesnar is yet to defend it. And Goldberg, uh, he... Uh, he defended it once and he lost it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you have Finn Balor who, who unfortunately had to vacate it and Kevin Owens whose you know, title run was pretty much a comedy gimmick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, man, it's, this just brings you back to our last discussion and it makes me sad, but, <laughs> but I mean, Ginger Mahal, he's not, I mean, I, I actually enjoy a lot of his stuff. I don't dislike the guy and I think he's not, a bad wrestler or bad on the mic. I mean, he could use a lot of work in both of those areas, but it, as far as like presentation, he has a very good look. He's a very fresh character, uh, aside from the generic, uh, you know, anti-American gimmick. But in terms of just having a, a top heel Indian guy, I mean, as superficial as that is, I don't know. There's something refreshing about that. So I get it. I just think, you know, they had to build him up. You can't just go from zero to 100 and expect me to buy it. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. 
Hey, do you see any other big noteworthy things on the kayfabe tier list that you would like to discuss? Well, uh, Bray Wyatt, I think, has gone down. I mean, that's why I have him going down. He's a tragic he's a tragic guy, in my opinion. He's just <laughs> someone who could have been... I mean, you could only speculate how, how amazing this guy could have been. He has all the tools, fine wrestler. We all know how good he is on the mic. Amazing. Really great character, but it's just depressing. You know, we've talked about this to death. He never got his rematch, and what is he doing now? He's just... Same thing he always does. <laughs> Go after baby faces for no reason, speak a bunch of nonsense, then lose. And you so, know the crazy part about what's going on with him? And and let's just go over the just a short little timeline of Bray Wyatt over these past few months. The guy loses the WWE Championship to Randy Orton on the grand stage of them all at WrestleMania. After all of these psychological games, they show that they, they have absolutely no effect whatsoever. He loses the championship. He has a rematch with Randy Orton, but the rematch is not for the title. And he acts as if just simply beating Randy Orton in a match is enough for him to get some type of vindication, even though he didn't beat him on his own. He, so you go from his crazy, zany bullshit at WrestleMania being ineffective to the House of Horrors match pretty much being ineffective too because no matter what he did to him in that house it didn't matter because Jinder Mahal was a deciding factor when everything was said and done then you go from that to him over on Monday Night Raw take into account the same week that the feud with Seth Rollins started Roman Reigns whooped Bray Wyatt's ass on Raw so you lose a match to Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins calls you a few names, and all of a sudden, this is, oh my God, I gotta get this guy because you disrespected me. He called me a false prophet. Well, shit, he called you a false prophet, but Roman Reigns proved it. Right? He, he beat you. He beat you in a match, and then you go after the person that calls you names. Like, okay, he, he hasn't been done any favors by creative at all, and that character is just, he, he's trash. He's a bum. At one point, he came across as a cult leader. Now I see him as just a deluded fat guy. I mean, that's that's what I see. Like this guy's talking about how he could have beaten Brock Lesnar. I'm I'm just thinking, what world does this man live in? I mean, it's that's just a delusion. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't. I almost don't want to talk about Bray Wyatt. It's too sad. You know, it's too <laughs> it's too depressing. So. Uh, uh, Kevin Owens also goes down. I think he's sort of uh, tapered off after his Universal Title run. He never really got back. I mean, I would say got back up there. He's never really too high to begin with, but he did have that title. I mean, the highest he's ever been is after he beat Cena clean, but he's never really returned to that. Squeaky clean. Yeah, squeaky clean, as we say. So I, I think he's kind of cooled off. He's he's facing a lot of losses lately, and now he's defending the title in the mid card. So. Seems appropriate that he would drop down a tier. Uh, Samoa Joe goes up. I mean, he won a number one contenders match, being uh, booked as a as a monster, and mm-hmm. he was on the brink of being in that tier to begin with. So finally, he's up there. Yeah, the thing is now, with Samoa Joe, like WWE hasn't handled him to the best level that he's capable of. But there's some switch that's been flipped on since it was announced that he was going to be the number one contender since he won that match. And he's been rocking so far. He really has. And we'll get into that a bit a bit later. But 
we'll come back to Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are a few a few other things that I wanted to touch on. Uh, AJ Styles, he beat Cena clean. I guess that was squeaky clean as well. But it's been a while since then. You know, I left him in A+. I still see him in that level, but he's starting also to taper off. I mean, mm-hmm. he was beat by Ziggler. That's, that doesn't do you any favors, but we'll see where that goes. I mean, it's kind of hard to stay in that tier when no one else in that tier is around you. So it's hard to see where exactly you stand. But Cena is coming back, so we'll see, you know, how that goes if they ever fight again. And uh, Amber- that, and speaking of that, you can see in the A-plus tier, um, as you alluded to, uh, AJ Styles, he is an active competitor. I guess, I guess John Cena is on SmackDown too, but he's barely there. AJ Styles is the only active competitor from SmackDown there. So that's a good point that you bring up when he's not interacting with anyone in that tier. It kind of feels like he needs to move down to A. So I would not be surprised if the next time around we see him in the A tier. You know, there's a point at which I will... I, I still perceive you as a top guy, even if you suffer a few losses. Like, that's going to be, I think that's going to be Cena forever. I mean, there's no amount of losses that he could suffer that will make me see him as anything less than, you know, at the top of the game. But mm-hmm. AJ might get in that ball eventually, uh, but we'll see. Now, Ambrose is another guy that I sort of, um, I'm always debating back and forth. You know, Ambrose, he's not really the top at the top tier of things, but. I notice that he's always protected. You know, he's always protected. His finisher is very protected. And when he loses, it's usually some, th- some cheap thing that happens to him. He barely squeaks out wins against guys that are higher than, than him. So I think I think he is presented as a top guy, even though we might necess- not necessarily uh, uh, perceive him that way because of various things. He's not mm-hmm. like Jinder Mahal, who, you know, they're trying desperately to make you see as a top guy. I think Ambrose, they've done enough work to make me see that, yeah, he's... He's pretty much he's up there, and uh, you can't really underestimate him because he gets pushes sort of out of nowhere. He'll go back and forth, so I think he's pretty consistent. But I've also thought about dropping him. Uh, Finn Balor as well is is sort of uh, I don't know what what he's doing. I mean, he's a guy who beat Roman Reigns also squeaky clean. He beat Seth Rollins squeaky clean. He beat well, I guess those are the main two. But now he's doing nothing, so it's kind of hard to judge. But well, he, he he's about to enter into a feud with the Drifter. That's something, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, he you can tell lost, they have so absolutely no idea what the hell to do with him. I'm surprised he's not on SmackDown. I don't, I don't see why why he stayed on Raw. But either way, he's on Raw, so that's what we're we're here for. You know, I thought the Usos had a really good showing against the New Day, so I, I thought they. Um, Deserve to be in B plus, even though they took the easy way out and they mm-hmm. walked out. They are heels, but they did put up a good fight. You know, they kicked out of a lot of shit that I thought would have ended it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I thought, well, those guys look pretty tough in there, but they're heels. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna squeak it out in whatever way they can. Big cast kind of. You know, it's so it's always hard to tell. Like, should I base this off of things that people do or think are matches only? But you know, Big Cass hasn't had hasn't like won a particular match that'll get him to a higher tier but he did turn on enzo and you got to think coming off a big turn like that he's probably about to be presented in a, in a in a little bit of a bigger light so i give him the benefit of the doubt and say uh probably moves up a tier i did see someone questioning that on reddit when you posted the kayfabe tier list they were saying something like uh, all he needed to do was turn on enzo and he gets bumped up to another tier 
I would look at Enzo as the vulnerability in that team of Big Cass and Enzo. He was kind of like the anchor. You had to know that when they broke up, Big Cass was going to be provided with a platform, you know, pushed to the next level, uh, literally and figuratively. And I think that even if you judge it specifically based off of the matches that they've had, as I said, Enzo, that's the vulnerability there. If you left it completely up to Big Cass, then chances are you're probably going to end up with a victory there. So I think that that move makes sense, moving up Big Cass now that he's broken away from Enzo. Yeah, I think so too. But unfortunately, I'm I don't see bright things in Kaz's future. I like I've I went on this Twitter rant and I just mm-hmm. I've seen this too many times. And even even if I'd like to think that Cass would be an exception, who does he have to compete with on that brand? You know, and again we'll touch on this because I want to talk about the Raw's main event scene. But he's not gonna he's not gonna go anywhere on on a brand with Lesnar, Rollins, Reigns, uh, Ambrose, Braun Strowman. Finn Balor, like where where does he have to go? I mean, maybe you move him to SmackDown, then you have somewhere to go. But as of right now, like this is just, in my opinion, just one of the stupidest moves I've seen as of late because this team was was the most over team. Well, maybe aside from New Day, but certainly in the same conversation as New Day in, in terms of overness. And now they break them up, and they have no nowhere to go with it. At least not that I can see. And maybe they'll surprise me, but. I think it's a it's a big mistake, and uh, all I could say is these guys. If I said if they didn't fight this, like you know, like Shield used to fight a bunch of dumb decisions they would have, mm-hmm. then they're idiots because they haven't they haven't been paying attention. I mean, did they see what happened to prime time players or crime time or you know any of these other comedy the teams that were the Funkadactyls? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking? They feuded with each other after they broke up. Yeah, but I'm not talking. I'm talking about like the (laughs) like these major babyface teams that I sort of see them as like the babyface teams that never really win the titles, even though the primetime players did. But Mm Primetime never did, and I think Primetime was the last huge babyface team that I could really compare this team to. And you know, those guys broke up, and they had a stretcher match and basically Shad, I don't, I don't even remember what happened to him after that. And JTG was employed forever and just got released after <laughs> you know, like three years. So I like to think that Enzo and Cass have, they're not going to suffer that fate, but I don't see them. I don't see them ever getting higher than what they had. I think they had a good thing going. So I'm a bit, I've been annoyed at that. They definitely did not outlive their usefulness as a tag team. They didn't even win the NXT tag titles. Then they get up to the main roster. Nothing there either. And for me, I've said this before in one of the podcasts, easy transition. Make Enzo Cassis manager. That's what I was that's what I've been thinking for about two years. I've always thought I mean, why do you gotta break these guys up to give Cass a singles push? It just seems stupid to yeah, me. It, I mean, I guess it's a way to get him heat, but I mean you could you can manage that somehow else. Yeah, this well. doesn't really make much sense to me and I've seen things from Cass, little promising things here and there, but I'm in the same boat as you. When I look long-term, I don't see this working out well. Maybe WWE will surprise me, and they've had some surprises in store for me lately. Not not favorable surprises, but you know, surprises nonetheless. Uh, when it comes to Big Cass, I could see him 
falling into the role that Big Show and Kane used to play a few years ago in WWE. That upper mid-card role where you needed a, a match in the main event. And WWE would just throw them in there because they're big and, you know, beating them, it looks... It, it it looks like it's a good thing because, you know, you're beating a super tall guy, big guy. And I could see him filling in that role. And, you know, as the upper mid-card utility guy. And that is not a good role at all. It, it, at least from, like, a success standpoint, I don't see too much coming from that. I would hope that they find something different for him or, you know, they have a plan based off of breaking up a popular tag team but right now i can't see what that plan is i mean other than that we got uh bo dallas and curtis axel who did something for once so <laughs> they can they can move up from being complete jobbers although i'm sure they'll still be jobbers and then we have ty dillinger i just think he hasn't really done anything and uh, kalisto is even though kalisto is one of them is one of the best best superstars on the roster as we all know and uh should have won the rumble do, do we know this <laughs> yeah, man, he's okay. he's one of the best. Uh, Kalisto deserves to be to be S tier in my opinion, but you know, what, what's with I, this Kalisto thing? Where is this coming from? <laughs> well, uh, that, that's my pick at the Royal Rumble. I picked uh, the number that Kalisto came out. Oh, it what was it that that DM stuff that the the PWF Empire guys did? Yeah, I thought that's what we do. I, so I thought I'm supposed to cheer for Kalista now. That's what I'm doing. I guarantee you nobody else is adhering to that. They always do this. They forget about it like a month or two after it happens. So if you guys don't know, um, the PWF Empire contributors, they do this thing where they pick a number for the Royal Rumble. So if you pick number 13, whoever comes out at 13, you have to support that person for the rest of the year. And like... No, nobody ever adheres to it. I, nobody. Yeah, I have him in my profile on Twitter. If you look, is Kalisto hashtag Kalisto. Anyway, I did not know this. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen. All right. Uh, so I guess that's it for for that. But I I'm interested in talking about the raw main event scene because, for once, I'm actually excited about something, and I see a lot of promise in that group of guys, and I think you do too. Yes, that opening segment on Raw was hot. As hell, and I know hell because it's been, you know, over a hundred degrees for like two weeks straight here in Arizona. So I know hot, and that was blazing hot. Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe, man, I and the way that I see things, something like this probably would not be possible were it not for Brock Lesnar as universal champion because i think with him having that title and him being away it allows wwe to tell stories differently than they usually would the way that i see things is they've transformed the number one contender spot into a championship in and of itself and just seeing people like Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe fight over the number one contender spot, like not fighting over a title, fighting over the chance to fight for a title. I was like, God damn, this is some really good stuff. Both of them were booked very strong. Both of them looked good, just loved it all around. And I, I sort of think that uh, we've had sort of 10 years of of this um, 
postmodern uh, approach to wrestling, and part of that has been the degradation of weight classes. Now, you can see this as a double-edged sword because on one hand, you know, it's given us guys like uh, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk in the main event. But I know I at least have a soft spot for big guys. I'm a, I'm a Vince McMahon type dude in that <laughs> respect. Like, I, I really think the bigger guys are, are cool. And that doesn't mean I don't like the littler guys because, you know, Punk is one of my favorites and so is Bryan. Mm-hmm. But I really have a thing for, for heavyweight guys. I think. I think it's really cool to see guys of that size. And right now you have some big scary dudes in that scene. Yes. And they're not and they're not trash either. They're all really good. You have Take a look at I know um, people... the uh, Great Balls of Fire, the two matches that we have confirmed so far. Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe, uh Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Those are some fucking heavyweights there. Yeah, I'm excited. Like these are good these are good wrestlers, they're good heavyweight wrestlers and mm-hmm. you know, why have good wrestlers who are little guys when you can have good wrestlers who are big guys you know <laughs> and again i'm not, nothing against the literal guys i still like ambrose you know aj styles seth rollins they're all fine not that those are little guys but you know compared to compared to guys like lesnar and Strowman and samoa joe and even roman reigns they're they're kind of on the little littler side but i really like this uh this division that's forming at the top of raw it's, mm-hmm. it's roman reigns brock lesnar Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, and then you throw in like Rollins in there. Uh, you throw in uh, potentially, I guess, uh, Finn Balor as the wild card, and maybe Ambrose if they could, you know, get their shit together with him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a it's a it's a good division. You know, it's a good it's a good heavyweight division. And I know I listed, you know, uh, Balor who's not you know the biggest guy, but you could afford to have one little littler guy in there. Yeah, mix it so up I just a little think, bit. Yeah, mix it up a little bit. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. And I, when I look at SmackDown's scene, I'm like, I don't really care about these guys a at all. You know, Ginger Mahal, Randy Orton. I mean, you're going to have Cena back. You'll have AJ Styles coming back. Nakamura's on the horizon. And you have Baron Corbin. So it's not it's not like a Hall Hope is lost over there. But, I mean, right now it's Ginger Mahal and Randy, and they're looking like they're going to fight again. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone wants to see that. But I'm really excited for that. I, I know you are too. Do you have anything uh, anything to say about that? Yeah, it, the way that the main event scene is developing on Monday Night Raw, it's actually transforming my opinion on the show overall. I talked about this in a recent video I did. I think it was for Money in the Bank. Yeah, where if the main event is doing well, it transforms like I said, my opinion on the whole card because I put so much weight in the main event. And just going back to Monday night, seeing how excited I was for that segment with Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe with Brock Lesnar just waiting back in the wings and then me being super excited about the match that they had and into the match and with the return of Braun Strowman, my whole thing is criticize when necessary but give credit where credit is due. What WWE is doing currently with this main event scene on Monday Night Raw, this is good shit. We have legit strong characters where I don't feel like one person is compromising too much for the other one because WWE, sometimes they tend to fall into this trap where it's zero-sum booking. You can't gain anything unless someone else loses something on the other end and even with Roman Reigns, for example, losing to 
Samoa Joe on Raw. I still think it was going somewhere and building up this feud that he's had with Braun Strowman and then looking at the interconnectedness, you have Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman and how all of that stuff just flows and it's connected and a lot of stuff is going on. It makes sense. It's hot. It has momentum. It has pop. It's just wonderful and i'm sitting back and i'm enjoying every bit of it i think goldberg had a lot to do with this if if i'm being honest because goldberg came back and i think he kind of made everyone else look like bitches because goldberg came back and this guy is what in his 50s and he still looked like a badass he still carried himself mm-hmm. like a badass he still he had a star presence about him i remember he him was... sitting in that ring with kevin owens and he made him look like a fucking chump yeah yeah and so now i'm like now you got some guys in there who could like actually stand next to someone like Goldberg, who is not even really a high bar, but even next to Lesnar, who is a high bar, mm-hmm. and then think you know they could hang with those guys in terms of power. You know, R- Roman Reigns has gotten the confidence that I think he really needs. Yes, and it's, it's taken him. A, I think ever since the Undertaker, he's had that confidence. You just have. I just think the Braun Strowman thing. You gotta like figure out a way to. To not make not make that a zero sum game because Braun Strowman does make Roman look like a bitch a lot. And That's I don't the really one I'm that. kinda nervous about. But then again It isn't it is an ambulance match this time, so you, you have some leeway there, you know. Then again, do you think that it's okay that that is his one weakness? Because if you listen to what Roman Reigns was saying on Monday Night Raw He's at the point where he's nearly invincible. He was going down the list of people that he's beaten, and he's being booked very strongly, and it seems as if his only weakness is Braun Strowman. I guess it's kind of like a twofold question. Does Roman Reigns need to, or do we need to be reminded that Roman Reigns is mortal, and is it okay that Braun Strowman is that that symbol of that mortality? You know, that's actually not the part that bothers me about it. I don't mind that Roman Reigns would lose to, to Strowman mm-hmm. or that he would get his ass kicked. What bothers me is that there's this instant flip that happens. So Roman Reigns could be fighting anyone else and he'll be this t- badass tweener. And he becomes a different person when Braun Strowman. Beco- when Braun Strowman's around, then he becomes the sympathetic underdog mm. babyface. So I don't like that. You know, it's just, it's, to me, it's like Vince's last dish effort to get this guy's sympathy. <laughs> and we do- he doesn't uh, need sympathy. He's not a sympathetic guy. He needs to be a badass. And we've always said that. And you could be a badass and still lose. You know, that's fine. And he could lose to Strowman. I don't mind that. Just don't make him look like a bitch. And that's what Strowman kind of makes him do. I totally get what you're saying. I see it perfectly. And I was having those same kind of thoughts. But it's like, this is too fucking awesome. I don't want to talk about this right now. Let's just put that on the back burner. But based off of how Roman Reigns was behaving on Raw, we saw a tale of two Romans. Just the supreme confidence that he had in that um, first segment on Raw. Then in the match with Samoa Joe, but it's like a, a, a switch flipped on when Braun Strowman jumped out of that ambulance and you just saw this look on Roman Reigns' face where all of the confidence was gone and there was a vulnerability there. And maybe that is the sweet spot that Vince keeps 
going back to where it's like, okay, yeah, let's book Roman Reigns, you know, to be as strong as we possibly can and invincible when Braun Strowman is not around. But hopefully this works. Like that that's his little spot where he, he he's still hoping that this, you know, bastardized baby face of Roman Reigns is gonna get over. And mm, I don't know. Or I do know. Is it not gonna work? It's not gonna work. Uh but you know, luckily I think we're almost through that. He's gonna have that the match with Strowman and I think then both of them are gonna move on. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll fight again down the line, but I think he'll, I think he'll be fine. But as it stands, it is kind of jarring to see that switch flip because you yeah. know you're getting into Reigns, and then all of a sudden Strowman comes out, and you're supposed to feel bad for Reigns that he's getting his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't want to feel bad for someone. You know, that's to me that's not what wrestling should be about at least not when it comes to these two big guys fighting. I mean, if yeah. you have a littler guy, then okay, fine. Use the sympathy. It's fine when it's like Daniel Bryan. When there's natural sympathy there, you can harness that. But yeah. when there's two when there's two badasses fighting, I don't want to feel bad for either of them. I just want to see them go at each other and and I don't want to think about, you know, fucking morality. That's that's sort of what what Joe and Lesnar is right now, which I should yeah. like. They both sort of settled into tweener roles because it's heel versus heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Lesnar is probably going into this as the de facto baby face because of, you know, getting the sympathy on Heyman. But I'm sure he'll be a heel right after it, so it doesn't really matter. It's sort of what, what happened to the Shield versus the Wyatts, where the Shield sort of played the baby face role, but they went back to being a heel like the, the day after they fought the Wyatts. So, mm-hmm. But in this case, you have two you know, big guys going at each other, and I don't feel bad that they're kicking each other's ass. I just want to see it. You know, that's yeah. So I don't want to feel sympathy <laughs> for anyone. You know, that's not what I come here to see. I don't want to see. I don't want to feel bad for Roman Reigns. It's just stupid. Mm-hmm. He's not the kind of guy that you need to feel bad for. He's you know he's got everything. You you want to feel like he's a badass, and sometimes they do a very good job with that. And sometimes they don't. And we've, we've dealt with that problem since he split off the shield. You know, sometimes if he's against AJ, he's coming across as a as amazing. Then he'll go against, you know, uh, I don't even remember who it was, maybe like Bray Wyatt or something, and then he just seemed stupid again or the big show. or It's just back and forth with him. But I think he's pretty consistent now. He's pretty awesome. And I really like what I see from Roman Reigns. I like the hard-hitting yeah. I think in the ring, he's really got himself into a groove. The non-Mike Mike work. Yeah. And it still baffles me that people shit on this guy. Like, I I think Roman Reigns is one of the one of the only cool guys on the roster right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really think that. I'm not just being ironic. I'm not just being, um, you know, counterculture. I just, I honestly think that. And I never thought that about John Cena or anything. I was always with the crowd on shitting on Cena. It wasn't until, you know, a few years ago that I actually came to respect Cena and, and you know, all that. So I'm not the kind of guy who's just going to say something just to go against the fans. I really think Roman Reigns is really cool and really, in some sense, edgy sometimes, you know, not when he's trying to be the, the hokey baby face, but mm-hmm. when he's being the badass, then yeah, there's an edge to him. And I actually enjoy seeing him win. You know, even if I know what's happening, I actually enjoy it. Yeah, so, he, he definitely does bring a presence to him uh, when he gets into the ring. And he's arrived at a level where shit is just more important simply because he's attached to it. We already talked about 
Bray Wyatt and us not really being interested in Bray Wyatt. But that match that they had a few weeks ago, I was into that because it was Roman Reigns there. I just look at him and I'm so enthralled by what he's bringing to the table and how WWE is going to utilize him. And they've been doing a damn good job of it so far. Like, I, I think he's he's arrived. I, I can say that confidently. Yeah, it's sort of the John Cena effect. John Cena has that effect. Whenever Cena's around, it's important. And it's always, it's been that way since 2005. So that's something you can't take away from Cena. But I got to say, Roman Reigns is more entertaining to me than Cena ever was during his reign of terror. In terms of in-ring stuff, I like I like Roman's moveset a lot better than I ever liked Cena's. In terms of character, I think Roman Reigns is cool, whereas Cena was never cool. So I really I think it's so unfair that this guy is getting the uh, the Cena treatment. It's not the same, you know. It's not. Cena was on top. He was Superman. Roman Reigns hasn't had the title in a year. Okay, guys. I know he's main evented WrestleMania three times in a row, but this is not. The second coming of Cena, even though Vince McMahon would like it to be. This is something a little bit different. And I think people should stop shitting on him. But, I mean, people are going to do what they do. All right. Anything else that you see on the kayfabe tier list? No, I think that's about it. What about you? Hmm. I'm saddened by American Alpha. Yeah. And it's, it is sad because, you know, SmackDown actually has a really good tag division. <laughs> and they're not really a part of it, it seems. Isn't that weird? Yeah. They've been gone for a while. And then Chad Gable randomly pops up for a match with Kevin Owens on the last episode of SmackDown. And I was just watching some stuff recently from them in NXT. Their rise in the tag team division, how they were beating those important teams, how they brought back the Ascension to have a match with them, and it all led into them capturing the tag titles. Some great stuff. And that team, especially with what's going on with the Usos, and now you have a strong team like New Day, you put Chad Gable and Jason Jordan up there, and we are building a tag division that could possibly main event shows. Because I, they're, I'm guessing we'll see the women main event next week. But build them up correctly. Hell, you didn't even have to do too much. That's an easy team to utilize right there, and they're doing a great job with the uh, Usos and uh, New Day is New Day. They're 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 good. I think that um, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan they're missing out on um, not utilizing those guys. That's true. But I, I don't think they're completely done for. They're not in a Bray Wyatt situation. There's still hope for them. Oh, yeah, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. But they that SmackDown tag division, I really like it. I really love the the Fandango and uh, Tyler Breeze team. Mm -hmm. The Usos are killing it. And come on, man. They got to put the Usos with Samoa Joe and, or Roman Reigns. <laughs> it's, it's criminal that that's not happened yet because <laughs> it's just so easy, you know? I mean, we've and, seen and they're it a little bit in, in the feud with AJ Styles, but I think that... Yeah, but that was something else. Yeah, man. those that were different Usos. Those were, those were, those were the Usos. Those were the dorky babyface Usos. Yeah, these, and even these. then, it was... It, even then, it wasn't bad. It was just not what it could be right now. It's just like these guys, are, they have an edge they to them right swag, now. They have swag, attitude, that rough edge. 
Yeah. With, with their characters on fire, Roman Reigns' character on fire, too, that could be a match made in heaven. And because they just work together so well outside the ring. I mean, listening to Reigns on the Jericho podcast, mm-hmm. he's like best friends with those guys. Oh, I mean, yeah, they, they grew up together. They grew up together. So, I mean, it's not hard for them to come up with something good if you give them some freedom. It would be another new day, in my opinion. I mean, not they wouldn't be comedy guys, but they could come up with something. Just that natural just... chemistry and how they uh, interact with each other. And uh, I've talked about how I want there to be something between Reigns and Joe and the Usos. And I think they, they could stretch that out for a year if mm-hmm. they wanted to. Uh, they just, I don't want to... I don't want to go into that again. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the, the list as far as I can see. And before we go, speaking of these lists, could we possibly be seeing another list? I'm, I, I, I think we're at a point where we but, – but it's up to you. It's, as far as I'm concerned, I think we're at a point where we could start introducing another list to the um, kayfabe tier family yeah uh i i looked at the women's roster sadly not the cruiserweight roster i don't think i will ever give a shit enough about that (laughs) to make one uh but the women's roster actually has a pretty solid hierarchy probably even more solid than the men's roster there's a clear divide between you know somewhat some people are better than others and you you could track it so, I mean, I don't see why not. And when I first started doing this, there was really no hierarchy. It's like they're all mm-hmm. kind of equal. They just but decide that, oh, this person is going to be uh, number one contender this month. Let's roll with it. Yeah. So I think we could start doing a women's tier list, and uh, people would be interested in that. Just let us know, uh, you know, on Twitter or in the comments or whatever feedback form you, you prefer. But that's something I think we could start doing. I think that we should do it after the uh, Money in the Bank match next week. Okay. What we could do is uh, we could do alternating. So uh, after one pay-per-view, we could do the men's, and after the other pay-per-view, we do the women's. I like that. Boom, there we go. All right. And that is it for the PWF Empire podcast this week thank you all for tuning in make sure that you follow both steven and i on twitter you can follow me at pwf empire follow steven at other Odie. that's o-t-i-e until next time peace out